Our scripture reading for today is from the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with the 11th verse. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision, by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you have want, excuse me, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh we, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances. I cannot read it all, I apologize so that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, blessings and congratulations, uh, Hamlin family and um, Emmeline. What a sweetheart. Um, I'll I'd do that again if they're all like that, right? <laughs> um, no, they're not all like that. Uh, and the ones who aren't are just as sweet and beautiful and good. Um, I told uh, um, uh, Steve and uh, Jamie earlier, I said, don't, don't blink, she'll, she'll look like this. Um, our, Abby's with, us this, with me this morning, and um, you all know, those of you who've, who've had them grow up, it happens pretty quick. Um, but congratulations and blessings on our newest sister in the faith. It's good to be together today. Great to be um, in this place, um, worshiping online with us. We're glad that you're here. Um, remember next Sunday, as Brad said, we're adding back the 11 a.m. service, so you'll have two opportunities to worship in person, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'll register for both services, so please uh, pay attention for that. And uh, we'll be streaming the 9 a.m. service uh, as well. So for those of you who need to join online, that will be available at 9. So I hope to, we hope to see you then. Uh, you may know that, that just a few weeks ago, we observed the 76th anniversary of the death of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was, of course, a leader in the Confessing Church in Germany during the, um, 
the rise of the Nazi regime, he warned the Christians in Germany about being complicit with that movement, was eventually imprisoned for his preaching and teaching where he continued writing and, and teaching, focusing on the nature of the church and the life of discipleship, and tragically was hanged by the Gestapo on April the 9th, 1945, at the age of 39. Bonhoeffer is, of course, considered a saint by many, a martyr of the church, and one of the most significant theologians of the church of the 20th century. In his wonderful little book, Life Together, Bonhoeffer outlines the centrality of Christian community and the necessity of our living the Christian life together. He's clear that we cannot presume or act as if we are in this thing alone. And so he writes, Christian community is like a Christian's spiritual maturity. It is a gift of God. Now, sadly, we American Christians have promoted an all-too-individualistic and thus non-biblical view of the Christian faith. Our, our whole model of revival, particularly in the 19th century, revolved around uh, getting that, that lone individual to make the heroic journey down the sawdust trail, down the aisle, to the altar, where he or she will begin their personal relationship with Christ, unimpeded and often unaided by anyone else. Now, of course, God knows us and loves us individually. We are each God's unique creation. But God's will for us is that we love one another, that we would be, as Jesus literally prayed, one. And he calls us to share life together. You, you may also be aware, if you remember your confirmation class, uh, those of you who went through confirmation in the United Methodist Congregation, um, that Methodism began, not surprisingly, as a method, hence the name, Methodism, for living life together. And so the heart of early Methodism was, was found in the classes and the bands, the small group meetings, where, where people would meet weekly for prayer and support and accountability to learn how to be Christians together. It was kind of a school of holiness. We helped each other to love God and love neighbor well. Interesting, in 1745, Wesley, who had been preaching around Great Britain, uh, someone in the movement nudged him to say, you ought to just go preach wherever they invite you. Don't worry if we don't have a small group set up in that community yet. It'll be fine. Just go preach. Just go teach. Wesley was really reluctant to do this because the preaching and teaching was designed to move people towards, towards life together in the small groups. And so he was hesitant, but he agreed and he tried. I'll just go preach anywhere, even if we don't have a small group ministry in place in that community. And the results of that experiment were disastrous. He would go preach and teach. People would have some experience of the grace of God, be moved to make some kind of commitment towards discipleship. There would be no small group for them to join in their community because they hadn't found, founded them there and folks simply just fell away. And Wesley abruptly halted that experience and never returned to it. 
Now, the point is not a history lesson about the development of early Methodism, but rather that the Christian faith, as Bonhoeffer reminds us, is meant to be lived in community. It was never intended to be me and Jesus. Those who hear Christ's message of reconciliation and love and who respond to that message are to come alongside others who have responded and then share life together. God does not save isolated individuals. Rather, God in Christ is about the formation of a new family, a community, a reconciled humanity that will live under the lordship and shepherding of Christ. Yes, as I said, Christ loves us uniquely for who we are. And when we begin a relationship with Christ, he brings all his friends to the party. There is no salvation, no restoration, no healing of humanity outside of community. Just think of Jesus' ministry. One of the very first things he did was form a community. The Christian journey is not a solo experience. Christianity means community through Christ and in Christ, as Bonhoeffer writes. We belong to one another. God is saving us together. We are not alone. And what is more, we don't get to choose who comes along with us. Let that one kind of just simmer. The invitation to discipleship is Christ's invitation to give. We don't define this community. Church is not a club. We don't set the rules for who is in and out because we're all here at Christ's invitation. It's Christ's baptismal font. It's Christ's pulpit. It's Christ's table. It's Christ's church. Paul was very aware of our tendency to undermine Christian community, to, for us to divide ourselves into groups, to pick sides, to erect walls, to draw lines, to include and exclude, to decide who's in and who might be out, who measures up and who doesn't. The early Christian church had to wrestle with this, especially um, as it related to the inclusion of Gentiles. You may remember some of those debates in the book of Acts, because Christianity was early on essentially a Jewish sect. So what are we doing welcoming these outsiders, these Gentiles, into the community? And so in writing to the Ephesians, Paul makes the bold claim that Christ has broken down any and all walls. Overcome the dividing wall of hostility, Paul says, once and for all. Has proclaimed, get this, peace to those who are near, those who are already kind of a part of the community, and peace to those who are far away. There are no walls in the kingdom of God, no boundaries, no borders, only community and fellowship in Christ, because in Him our peace has come. In His body, all of humanity becomes one, as God intended from the very beginning. This this thing we call church is the body of Christ. We, We say that every week in the mission statement. 
and Christ is the head of that body. We are members together, inseparably linked with and in relationship with one another. And as Paul points out, claiming to be in Christ while removing or excluding others or, or setting arbitrary boundaries on the, the scope of the church is like the eye saying to the hand, I don't need you. No, we do need each other. The eye needs the hand. The hand needs the eye. Like a cinder that quickly grows cold if it's removed from the fire, we need one another for support and encouragement and accountability. I have a group of friends in, in ministry who we've been through a lot over, over our years of serving the church. I couldn't do it without them. They, they support me. They encourage me. They pray for me. They give me ideas. They, they inspire me to be better. And they are one of the most annoying groups of people I know. And they're annoying because they won't leave me alone and, and, and let, me to, let me be with my stuff. They challenge me to be better than that, larger than that, bigger than that. They challenge me to be who God has created me to be. And I'm forever grateful and annoyed sometimes for them. I'm a better human being because of them. As Bonhoeffer reminds us, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable strength and joy. And that is really good news. A few years ago, Kim and I had the privilege of attending dinner for one of our Wesley uh, campus ministries. It was kind of an end-of-year celebration. We, we heard from the students about um, how the ministry had impacted their lives, what it had meant to them, uh, we, we heard from the director of that particular campus ministry about the successes they'd had and the challenges they had. In particular, he talked a lot about the, the struggle of mental health on the university campus and, and finding the resources to, to support students in that, in that struggle. At the end of our time together, he, he gave each of us who came a, a four or five written prayer requests from students. They were anonymous. They didn't have names. But he said, just take these back and, and pray over them as a, as a church. And so we, we had them. that You can imagine, pray for me. I have exams. Pray for me. My papers do. Uh, pray for me. Um, I've got to move back home with my parents over the summer. That kind of stuff. Pray for me that I'll have money to come to college next year. Um, one still haunts me. Pray for someone to talk to me. Talk with me. Let me know that I'm not invisible, that I matter. In a world that seeks to divide and exclude and separate, isolate, where the individual is almost worshiped, where we are too often, as Sherry Turkle argues in her wonderful book, Alone Together. In this kind of world that Christ overcomes all that divides us and, and invites us to share life together, wants us to have companions for the journey, gives us brothers and sisters not by biology but by water. Welcome, Emmeline. That is abundantly good news. In a world where authentic community and connection seem more and more to be absent, it is good news that in Christ there is a place where we all are welcome. It's the kind of news that can heal and save a broken and hurting world. 
that God does not want us to be alone. In fact, God, if, we'll, if we will, will, will drag us kicking and screaming right into the middle of a messy, complicated, imperfect, beautiful community where you'll be challenged to love others even when you don't like them and where you will be blessed by the gift of others who love you when you are at your best and even when you're at your weary worst. The psalmist says it so well, how very good and pleasant it is when we live together in unity. How good and pleasant when we share life together. Notice it doesn't say how easy or how problem and conflict-free it will be. We all know better than that. Life together can be wonderfully beautiful and painfully hard. We sometimes do and say things that cause real harm, even in the body of Christ. But the bottom line is, in a world where so many of our neighbors are desperate for someone to speak to them, to know their name, to care enough to listen to their story, and then to be willing to walk alongside them, the bottom line is that the church of Jesus Christ has the very best word for that world. You belong here. Not because of what you've done or who you are or who you know, but simply because God loves you and Christ invites you. This thing we call church, this, this community, this life together we all share, it's not our possession. It, it is God's creation and gift to us. It's a gift from the one who created us all out of the dust of the earth and said, you know, it's not good that they're alone. I'm going to make them some companions and friends. Or as Paul says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but members of the household of God. Christ himself is your cornerstone in whom you also are built together into a dwelling place for God. So to say yes to Christ is to say yes to people. To know Christ as God is to be organically part of a community. And to be ultimately responsible to Christ is to be responsible to others in Christ's body. So that together we show the world who Christ is until the entire broken human race will respond to the love of God mirrored in us. Davidson United Methodist Church, we are meant for life together. To laugh and celebrate. To weep and mourn. To worship and serve. To support and hold one another accountable. Yes, to get on each other's nerves, drive each other crazy. I mean, it's like family. We all have that family member, right? <laughs> and if you don't know who it is, you know that means it's you, right? <laughs> <laughs> and before we are the body of Christ out there in the community, we have to be the body of Christ in here together. There's a kind of rhythm to our life. The journey inward, the spiritual life, the journey outward of service to God and neighbor, and the journey together. A kind of divine dance. The closer we draw to Christ, the closer we draw to one another, 
the more we then manifest and mirror God's love and grace to the world. And the more others are drawn to our life together until all are one, all are one in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a beautiful day that will be. Amen.